Well, here we are again. Welcome to you. I'm glad that you've stopped by. I cherish these moments that we share together each week, even though we're far away. We've been keeping close in spirit. And I want for you to know how much I value this weekly appointment. This time when we come together, virtually for now, to share in God's word. And I want to assure you it's not a task that I take lightly. In fact, I might put too much into it. That's what I've been thinking about this week. I'm feeling weary and worn. Now, before you feel sorry for me, it's not just as a result of the job, which I've been doing for 25 years, so have a pretty good grasp of. I'm feeling weary and worn, and I'm suffering from what might be COVID fatigue, and I wonder if you are as well. After all, here we are three and a half months into it, and by all appearances, there is no end in sight. Two news articles this week encouraged me at last to turn off my news feed. I've done that before and it's given me great peace and I decided to do it again this week after reading these two news articles. First from the San Francisco Gate, quoting Dr. Bob Wachter from the University of California at San Francisco. He's one of the infectious disease specialists that's been sort of helping us navigate this coronavirus pandemic. And he said in a tweet recently, let's talk California. He writes, until recently, our state managed to do so well that our experience has been dubbed the California miracle. But let's say it clearly, the miracle is over. The sooner we acknowledge that, the better off we'll be. You're watching the same news that I'm watching, and you're seeing the numbers are on the rise, and this is 4th of July weekend, and all I want to do is be out in the sun, somewhere beautiful, enjoying God's creation. Well, I said there were two news articles. That was one. The second comes from the San Francisco Eater, talking to the restaurant industry in San Francisco about the fact that customers must wear face coverings anytime they're not eating or drinking, including but not limited to while they're waiting to be seated, while reviewing the menu and ordering, while socializing at a table waiting for their food, waiting for drinks to be served, or after courses of the meal are complete, or anytime they leave the table, such as to use the restroom, Customers must also wear face coverings anytime servers, bussers, or other personnel approach the table. Essentially, if you're not lifting a fork to your face, you should be wearing a mask. Do you see how these two stories are related? You see how they sort of capture the essence of what's going on at the very time that we need to be buttoning down. All we want to do is be out and about enjoying ourselves, and that creates a sort of dissonance, and I think what it creates for us is an overall sense of weariness. We're just kind of over it, right? We're done with it. But apparently it's not done with us. 
So to a people weak and weary, frazzled and frustrated, Jesus speaks this week through the lectionary text in Matthew chapter 11. Words of invitation, words that I hope you find, as I have found, deeply refreshing, nurturing, and centering. You see, we're a conflicted people, you and I, all of us. We're not sure what we want, but we know it's not that, right? And somewhere deep within us, we're aware, not of what we want, but of what we need. And Jesus is quite clear in terms of what he offers. And so he comes to us with these beautiful words of invitation that I hope and I pray you'll take him up on this week. Our text begins in Matthew 11 and verse 16, where Jesus, in a moment of exasperation, says, But to what will I compare this generation? It's like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling out to one another. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We wailed and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. And the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Jesus highlights that his own generation, much like ours, is deeply conflicted. We don't know what we want but we don't want whatever anyone's offering. We want to be chronically discontented. Jesus fingered the problem for them. And he pointed out John the Baptist who came as an ascetic. John was, <laughs> was this character in the wilderness whose only subsistence was locusts and honey. And they said, well, he's not like the rest of us. He's, he's, he's so austere in his lifestyle. He must be a demon. And then Jesus came, not in that strain or tradition, but Jesus came very much in the, uh, in the enjoyment of life, celebrating Jesus was the life of the party. Wherever there was a dinner party, he was there, and he was typically the guest of honor eating, drinking, enjoying himself with all the people. And they said, whoa, that, that can't be. So between this extreme and the other, people want to be satisfied with nothing. Let me be. Let me be who I am. Jesus recognized that this highlights a problem, a central human problem that Jesus himself came to solve. Not in terms of choosing one lifestyle over the other. Really, the lifestyles are inconsequential. But in terms of meeting us where we live at the level of a very core need. Because like people three and a half months into the COVID-19 pandemic, we're weary and worn 
and wanting. We're frazzled. We're looking for rest, and that's precisely what Jesus came to offer. The words of invitation, beginning in verse 28 of Matthew 11, Come to me, all you that are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you've been around First Baptist Church any length of time, You know that occasionally I'll say something like, this is a verse you should memorize. Forget every time I ever said that in the past. Now, these are verses you should memorize. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. It's one of what we might consider the centering passages of scripture. It just has that effect on us if we'll allow it. It's like a Christmas morning present that totally exceeds our highest expectations. It's just that great. And it's one of those things that we're liable to just breeze over in our haste, but if we're willing to slow down and take a moment to sit with the words of the text, to let them ruminate around in our mind a little bit, and maybe in quietude to allow them to sink down a little deeper into the region of our heart. And once there, just sit maybe a little bit longer and allow them into our gut, the core of who we are, and from where in actuality we live our lives. Because the promise of Jesus is so compelling in terms of what it offers. That's what I want. Rest. Verse 28. Rest for your souls. Verse 29. Easy and light burden. Verse 30. That's what I'm looking for. My friend, if you've embraced a try-harder version of Christianity. You've not embraced Christianity at all. Because it's not a try-harder variation of religious experience. It's peaceable. It's easy. It's free. And it's light. And it's liberating. Jesus was speaking these words of invitation into the religious context of a people oppressed by Pharisaic legalism that said you must do this and this and that in order to be approved of God. 
Yahweh in the Old Testament gave Moses a set of ten commandments. And the Pharisees took a little time and they looked over those ten commandments and they said, you know, ten just won't do. Hey guys, how about 633? Isn't that a much better number? That was their distillation of the Ten Commandments, a law code containing 633 tenets that you must follow in order to be in compliance, in order to observe the law of Moses. Well, isn't that special? Jesus took the ten, broke it in half, and said, love God and neighbor. That's pretty simple. And Jesus here says, you who are suffering under the weight of legalism, do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that. Listen, come to me. Come to me. Follow me. It's like Jesus said, Over here. Sit down. Let's talk about this. It never was about performance. Even in the Old Testament Levitical law, it was never about performance. It was always about grace because God redeemed his people. He rescued them from Israel. He did for them what they couldn't have done for themselves. God delivers us. And we live lives of grateful obedience as a consequence of that. There is no scorecard. There are no rules. There's only the peaceableness and the ease that comes from life with Jesus. Jesus came to lighten our load, not to add to it. So again, if you've embraced a Jesus who's all about the rules and do this and don't do that. You don't have Jesus at all. You've got someone else. You've got a Jesus of your own imagination. You don't have the Jesus of the New Testament Gospels. Jesus said, come, you who are weary. Come, you who are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. That's the vision that he offers us. One of absolute repose, rest, peace. Isn't that what you want? Isn't that what you're looking for? Isn't that what you're hungering for? Maybe you just could never give expression to it. Jesus names it for us. He calls it out and he says, verse 29, take my yoke upon you. Now y'all predominantly are city folks. This kid's from Nebraska. And around Nebraska, you know what a yoke is, even though we haven't used them for like a century. A yoke puts two oxen together side by side. It's a chunk of wood carved out, and you set it on top of two oxen. You strap them in so they walk at the same pace. And you're behind them with a plow, right? And, and that's what propels you. It was uh, the early American tractor before Ford and before John Deere. 
Jesus used that metaphor and he said, get in my yoke, which means essentially walk with me side by side. I'll train you. I'll teach you. That's how a younger ox learned to plow with an older ox. You put them in the yoke together, they moved at the same pace. Jesus said, you're too far ahead. You're too far behind. Get in the yoke with me. I'll teach you the pace and rhythm of life. That's what discipleship to Jesus is about. Take my yoke, learn from me. And he says he offers some descriptors, adjectives. I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart. Two things that don't describe me very much of the time. But two things I become in discipleship to Jesus. When I take his yoke, I learn from him, and I begin to experience life at his pace, not at mine. You see why this is a centering passage. It helps me find that common ground that I'm looking for. It helps me find my place, find my way spiritually. When I'm lost and wandering, burdened, Jesus comes and he says, come on, walk with me. And again, the promise, verse 29, you'll find rest for your souls. And that's what I was looking for this week. Because like I've said, I take this appointment so seriously. I want to be able to offer you deep insight and clever teaching. And I want to be all that. And that's a pressure. It doesn't come from you. It comes from me. It's a self-imposed burden. And I was sitting thinking about this passage this week. And it's like Jesus was saying, come on, Aaron, just sit down with me. Relax. And so I sit down with Jesus. And I relax. But then pretty soon my mind starts churning to like, what can I tell the people? What can I say on the video that will be clever and insightful and will help people say, oh, my God, he's the most brilliant teacher of all time. Pressure, pressure, noise, noise, mind, volume, and it ramps up and up and up and up. Jesus says, kid, have a seat. Time out, man, relax. Sit with me. Let me tell you that you're all right. Everything's all right. <sighs> Rest for my soul. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Look, Jesus wasn't about putting pressure on us. He was about relieving it. He was about alleviating concern, frustration, Weariness, pain, agitation, everything that we experience every day because of the world in which we live, just because we happen to inhabit planet Earth. That's the stock and trade. And Jesus promises to do better, invites us to experience life with him. I could go on and on. I want to invite you into an experience of visualization that might help you to grasp 
what's being talked about today. Consider first an overtired toddler. We all were one at one point in our lives, and we've all experienced it, right? The kid in the grocery store throwing a tantrum. Uh, let's say two-year-old little Cindy Lou Who is uh, sugared up because she's been on gummy bears all day or whatever it is the two-year-olds eat. And she's got this sugar rush that's now crashed and it's mid-afternoon and she's dog-tired but has an attitude from you-know-where. And she weeps and she wails and she screams and she flails about on the floor and this wise parental instinct of yours kicks in, right? And you just kind of watch and make sure she doesn't hurt herself, but you let it run its course, right? You don't try to intervene with that. You let the kid scream, let her cry, let her kick. And then after a little while, it kind of runs its course, right? And you, the wise and loving parent, you reach down and you scoop up little Cindy Lou Who and you hold her in your arms and there might be a couple more thrusts, a couple more screams, a yell, you know, cranking back her neck, but just hold her, make sure she's all right. And then what happens? You, you put her ear right here on your chest and you let her feel the calming presence of your heartbeat and you hold her firmly against your body give that about 30 to 45 seconds tops what happens little Cindy Luhu has gone limp as a noodle and is dead to the world irregardless of what's going on right CNN news here Fox News here more coronavirus cases here, uh, uh, riots in the streets over here, sirens, alarms, doesn't matter. She's asleep. All she knows is she's with you, and that's enough. That's image number one. That's Jesus, the burden reliever, who says, why don't you just come, little Cindy, and sit with me a while. Perhaps that connects with you. Or perhaps not. Perhaps you're more of a cat person, less of a toddler person. So your cat is lying coiled up in the windowsill, enjoying the sun on a warm afternoon. And you decide just for fun to fire up the vacuum cleaner. And the cat loves that, right? What happens as soon as that motor turns on, the cat stands bolt upright, the hair on his back goes wiry, and he takes off, and you might never see him again. But then you finish sweeping the rug. You turn it off, you coil up the extension cord, and you put it away, and you go looking for your lost cat. Where is it? Under the bed. So far under the bed that you can't reach it if you tried. But you might read, you might, that's no way to retrieve a cat. That cat <laughs> ain't 
coming out and it's got claws, you better just go sit down and have a cup of coffee because of what's going to happen. After some time, depending, of course, on your cat, it's going to come out. When's the cat going to come out? When it's good and ready to come out because the cat needs time to reconnect with itself under the bed to know darn good and well that the vacuum cleaner's been put away for at least a week, that no one's reaching, no one's grabbing, no one's trying to impose its large human will on its little feline self. And it's gradually, on its own terms, going to come out from under the bed. That's another image of what Jesus is offering in companionship or in solitude. Cindy Luhu and the cat experiencing the same thing, the calming presence, the centering impact of Jesus. The way he comes to us differently through different personalities. Do what works for you. Find a time. Find a place. Establish a ritual in your life whereby you are able to reconnect with yourself through the experience of Jesus in a way that's going to be meaningful and peaceful and have an impact on your life because you are going to live differently thereafter than you've lived up to this point. It is imperative that you embrace a spiritual practice whereby you connect with Christ who connects you with yourself. There's a million ways to do it. This just flashed through like a meteor shower. Consider, consider the role of music. And I'm not talking only about Christian hymns, but the role of music. I, what do my sons and my father and me, three generations, what do we have in common? Precious little. Well, we share a lot of DNA. But another thing we share that links the generations is Glenn Fry and the Eagles and the Glenn Fry, may he rest in peace. And the song, Peaceful, Easy Feeling. I want to sleep with you in the desert night under a million stars. I mean, put that song on. That song has staying power. And try not to think about a camping trip in your life under the stars where you felt deeply at peace. You've all got your own songs. That's just one of mine. There are so many. There's the role of silence. There's the role of candles. There's the role of spiritual reading. There's the role of exercise. There's the role of physicality and the way that we use our bodies. There's the role of relationships and on and on and on. This simulcast could go for hours. But we're not about imposing burdens. We're about being light and easy and peaceful like Jesus. Friend, friend, please. 
Matthew 11, 28 to 30. We need it in these days like we haven't needed it in a really long time. We are weary. We're laboring under heavy burdens. We have coronavirus fatigue. We have underemployment. We have health concerns. We have job losses. We have reversals of fortune. We have mortgages due. We have bills to pay. We have credit cards and student loan debt. We have problematic relationships. We have challenges in our world. And the news brings more and more and more every day. We need what Jesus has come to offer in closing, and I promise, in closing, let me share with you once more the words. Come to me, you who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace.